It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hi, Cardinal fans. I'm Ozzie Smith. Smith corks one in the right down the line. It may go. And you're listening to the Cardinals Insider Podcast. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. Here's your host, Brett McMillan. Hello, welcome to the June 26th edition of the Cardinals Insider Podcast. My name is Brett McMillan. In just a little bit, we're going to be talking things over with the voice of the AAA Memphis Redbirds, Steve Selby. Plus, Jim Gilstrap, who writes for Cardinals Magazine, will join the program. He's the author of a new Cardinals Magazine article on Keith Hernandez. That coming up uh, in just a little bit, and it is out now in the current volume of Cardinals Game Day Magazine. Before all that, we do want you to know that we're bringing the beach to the ballpark. Margaritaville night returns Friday, June 29th. If you purchase a special theme ticket, get a Margaritaville Cardinals t-shirt. Come early for a pregame concert by The Boat Drunks. Tickets on sale now at cardinals.com slash theme. Again, Margaritaville night featuring The Boat Drunks. It's a pregame concert, and tickets are available at cardinals.com slash theme. The team is home through July 1st, and then eight games left at home here in St. Louis the rest of the month of July. So June 29th would be a really good chance to check them out. Make sure you get your Cardinal baseball fix before they head out on the road. All righty, first guest today, Steve Selby, as I teased at the top. He's been the play-by-play voice of the Memphis Redbirds since the year 2000, so nearly 20 years in the booth down there in Memphis, and he's been calling some really good baseball lately. As you probably know, Memphis won the PCL a year ago. It was a historic season for the franchise, and they had a pipeline going up I-55 to St. Louis all year as well. More of the same here this year. They have been toward the top of the standings. In fact, a pretty commanding lead in their division, and they have been supplying some really good talent, particularly young arms, to this Cardinal team up here in St. Louis as well. Steve and I talked about some of the top performers from this year's Memphis roster, a few maybe that you've seen in St. Louis, some yet to debut in the big leagues. We talk about what you might expect from them when you do see them with the big club. And we talk about the coaching staffs, too. There's uh, some coaches that have really been uh, been praised for their laurels, I guess, been praised for the work that they've been able to do, including manager Stubby Clapp. So we talk about that and give you a little bit more of a picture of who the guys are that are shaping these young players before they get up here to St. Louis. So without further ado, here it is, Memphis Redbirds play-by-play voice Steve Selby on the Cardinals Insider Podcast. Long-time play-by-play voice of the Memphis Redbirds, Steve Selby, kind enough to join us here on the podcast today. Uh, Steve, fun to have you in here talking minor league uh, minor league baseball, AAA, and the Redbirds again this year, just uh, clipping along at quite the pace. What's the, the buzz overall like there in Memphis just over this team? Well, I think it's just uh, the depth, just as it was last year when the, when the club won the championship in the PCL. It's just, as you know, there's been uh, – a bit of a merry-go-round in the pitching staff, both starters and relievers, and 
whatever's left for the AAA club has been really good. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to know that there's depth on the farm. It's not just in pitching, too, outfield, uh, catching. And it's, 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 life is good if you're Gary LaRock running the farm system right now. Yeah, it's it it is very good at a couple of different levels. Uh, what's uh, you know, and I have not been to a game in the last two years in Memphis. Just for for those listening, but it seems like I know here in St. Louis, I hear more talk about Memphis because of the winning. Has the appetite maybe been a little bit more? And I see pictures of the ballpark, and it looks awful full down there. Yeah, the attendance has grown over the last two or three years. Uh, new ownership, Peter Freund involved with the with the club in conjunction with the Cardinals and. There is a lot of excitement doing some different things. Winning always helps. Uh, I think it where it helps the most is the media follows you a little bit more, um, and 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 so that's a great thing. But you know, minor league baseball really is a is a it's a it's a social night out. So it's a combination of drawing those for a night out on the town to those diehard Cardinal fans. You spoke about young pitching just a minute ago, and as you mentioned, we've seen a lot of it here in St. Louis. So I feel like a lot of the guys that we're seeing, you've seen too, and vice versa. Um, there are a few names we haven't seen up here yet, and maybe a few names we've only gotten a taste of. As a guy who's watched, you know, the the whole of that AAA staff, bullpen and starters, is there anybody that that really has piqued your interest this year that maybe isn't quite on Cardinal fans' radar just yet? Well, not on radar yet would be Dakota Hudson. He leads the league and wins. He's right there in earned run average, and it's just been rock solid all year long. He's going to give you six, seven, eight innings uh, every time along. He's he's growing. He's going to get stronger. That's the thing. He's got a good enough fastball, but he's going to get stronger and he'll gain a little more velocity. And uh, he's he's a real intense competitor and just goes about his business. And he's in that log uh, log jam of of talented right-handed pitchers. He's got a nice, even kind of personality, much like a, a Michael Waka and Adam Wainwright. Doesn't seem to get too high or, or too low. Has that been your experience with him, too? Just uh, not even so much the pitcher, but just the man, the way that he kind of approaches the game. I think you're right. You know, I think internally he's got a, he's got a game plan on how he conducts his business. Not unlike uh, what I saw from Paul DeYoung when Paul came through here two years ago. Uh, he, it's, it's not just, you know, when the lights go on at 7 o'clock. He's got a game plan. He just the way he conducts his business on and off the field and preparation prior to a workout or prior to an appearance. Uh, he's, he's got a professional approach, and usually young guys are searching for consistency in, from day to day, and he's already past that. I know we just saw Daniel Ponce de Leon up here with the Cardinals. Uh, didn't get into a game yet, but I'm, I'm sure that that definitely is coming. Um, you know, everybody likes to talk about that injury, Steve. And, and let's start there because I imagine that that was quite the night for you uh, at AAA Iowa last year. Um, to see Daniel get up here and get to put on that uniform in St. Louis, what, what was that like for you as a guy that was there that night? Well, you know, it's just, uh, number one, you're just, you know, grateful, thankful that he's healthy because the prognosis was not good for him. And uh, but I knew when he came back and joined the club in September, uh, not to perform obviously, but just to be around his teammates for a couple of days of the playoffs. Uh, and he said he was already felt like he was ninety percent back. You, you knew he would be back at pitching in Memphis this year. Now with that year's rust plus the injury, I don't think anybody, including Daniel, had any idea he'd be this successful. 
would find himself in the big leagues in the first half of the season. Yeah, he's got got the uh, invite to to the big camp before down in Jupiter, and I think this was maybe his third time that he'd been to big league spring training. Has been starting in Memphis. Uh, you know, when he did come up, they said probably a bullpen guy in St. Louis, and and I think that's the thing that maybe has gotten lost a little bit is about what he might offer as a pitcher. What have you seen from him? this year and and what kind of is maybe the thing that's clicked for him in the last year uh, or two or three that that has positioned him to kind of be right on the precipice of making that debut I think he's he's just uh, he's a tall gangly kind of guy I think he's got some deception in his release and maybe hitters able to pick up the ball and on he's a guy I've told uh, in talking with the uh, some of the announcers when they you always ask us for a scouting report I always say about Daniel, I want to be able to sit behind home plate in the stands and see his stuff from ground level to see why uh, he is that effective. I think he is deceptive a little bit. And, uh, you know, so long as he keeps the ball down, he's, he's in great shape. And, uh, you know, again, for him to be where he is is, is amazing. And, and uh, you know, and he takes his turn every fifth day. I'll tell you it's been quite the story this year to watch from afar is Edward Mujica, who the Cardinals, uh, Cardinal fans know quite well from a couple of years back. Uh, what has that been like just watching Ed work and really kind of a resurrection of, of his career here with a second stint in the organization? Well, from the start, the, the impressive thing for me about, about Mujica is, you know, he accepted a minor league contract and knew he was not going to pitch an inning in big league camp. And uh, he knew that. He said, I have something left in the tank. And by having the uniform, I can come back and show that I do have something left. And uh, he got off to a little bit of a slow start, but he's been on a roll the last uh, couple of weeks. He saved four out of five chances. And, uh, and he also has become a, a leader in that bullpen, a mentor to a lot of the young guys. And there is, we do have a heavy Latin presence on, on the Memphis roster. And he's helping these young guys, you know, 22, 23-year-old guys. Uh, several guys from Cuba, not not very strong in their English skills yet, and so he he is nurturing these young guys. And I know Stubby Clapp is very appreciative for what he's doing for this ball club. You mentioned Stubby, and boy, he's the George Kissel Award winner uh, defending here, and just has been a huge asset to the organization. A guy that that Cardinal fans probably remember a little bit. Uh, played here in St. Louis and played in Memphis for a long, long time. Give me a, an idea of Stubby and what it is that, that makes him so successful as a skipper. Well, uh, he, he commands respect, and he doesn't force it. It's just, it's just learned over time from the, by the players, and that he's, they know where they stand with him. He's up front, and he doesn't sugarcoat things. You know, he pats them on the back or he kicks them the rump, whichever is appropriate. But, you know, he got to the big leagues uh, not because he was, you know, overly talented he just outworked everybody and he learned the game um and and so he appreciates what these guys are going through and and he just uh he's a player he's a player's manager and uh sometimes the guys who don't have all the ability are the ones who make the best managers or coaches because they have to work harder they have to learn the game more and in talking with his manager at the time in memphis galen pitts uh, he, he said, you know, Stubby always spent time standing next to me in the dugout asking questions, et cetera, et cetera. So I guess it was, uh, it was a foregone conclusion he would eventually manage. He seems to really love that franchise and that city down there in Memphis, too. Does that, I mean, I guess it's an obvious question, but does that help at that, you know, triple-A level when a guy really is maybe 
more aware of, uh, of the history in a place rather than just kind of making a stop uh, along his ascension or, uh, or growth through the organization. Well, absolutely, and I think it also goes hand-in-hand with his love and respect for the Cardinals organization Mm -hmm. and and what the birds on the bat stand for. But, you know, when Stubby played in Memphis, uh, he was the most popular player. You know, his nickname was uh, the mayor of Memphis. And, you know, for years after he left the organization, I'd go out on speaking engagements, and when you take questions at the end of the day, somebody would ask, where's Stubby Clapp, what's he's doing? I mean, 10 years after the fact, they remember this minor league player. And uh, so the fans love him. The media loves him, which helps us, of course. But he just he thinks it's his responsibility uh, to promote the club in the community. It's it's not unusual after batting practice will be uh, some kind of promotional effort with season ticket holders or some picnic. And Stubby just wanders out there in his uniform to just greet and say hello to everybody and. And uh, and uh, it goes over pretty well, I got to tell you. Yeah, that's got to be great for business down there. There's no doubt about it. Another guy on his staff that really has been good for the business of hitting is Mark Budaska. And boy, there's there's buzz I know among Cardinal fans up here. What is it, uh, you know, about Mark maybe that makes him so approachable or, or kind of has him speaking the player's language because there just seems to be a tremendous amount of respect, uh, especially from the players, for what it is that Mark offers. Well, uh, initially, and they appreciate this, is he's done the first day he looks at a player, he doesn't jump in and start telling them what they're doing wrong. He watches them for a while. Uh, a lot of times he'll wait until the player comes for help on their own. But what he does is he takes what the player has, and he doesn't have a one-style-fits-all. He takes what the player has to offer and, 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 and tweaks it and, and makes them as good as they can. And, and uh, it's, you know, it's the subtle changes, really, that pays off. And and, and then with these young hitters, you're having just, you know, teach them preparation for each at bat and what pitchers they're facing and all those kinds of things. But I, I think he's so low key in his demeanor with the players. It's not like a lecture or you have to do this. It's just go, hey, you know, this is what I think will help you. And he obviously has, has a knack for seeing the flaws that these hitters may or may not have. Oscar Mercado seems to have certainly established himself by this point as an outfielder. As you kind of watched him, uh, you know, over the last two years, get a feel for that. Uh, what what has stood out to you about his transition? And this kid looks awful polished uh, when you look at the box. Well, he's made some plays in center field that are off the charts. He throws well. I mean, you can you can get overwhelmed by his range and his speed, but he's got a pretty good arm for a center fielder too. But he's got the natural speed, which helps him in the outfield. It helps him on the bases. And this is a guy I think he might surprise some people and hit a few home runs. He's you know, just shy of 10 so far this year. But he's got, you look at him for, for kind of a slenderly built guy, he's got some big hands, which I think contributes to his power. And, you know, you know rightly so, talking about Tyler O'Neill's power and all that, Harrison Bader and what he's done so far for the big club. Uh, the sleeper in the whole bunch just might be uh, Mr. Mercado. He's just 23. But, boy, he's doing it. And I tell you what, getting on base a lot, serving as a great leadoff hitter down here. Where do you think that power came from for him? Because I remember talking to him at winter warm-up, and if my memory serves correct, he kind of said, yeah, you know, I'm just really a line-drive guy, and it just has kind of started to come. Is is this a, a matter of him getting stronger from what you've seen, or is he doing something maybe a little different with his launch angle, or, or <laughs> maybe he's just growing into his own as a player in general? I don't think it's a launch angle thing because he really is primarily a line drive guy. But as I mentioned, he's got big hands. And, and I'm not comparing these two, but 
Hank Aaron was not a big man, but you looked at his hands and they were big hands. Reggie Jackson had big hands. So I think that's really where he gets the power that he has. How much he'll develop, I don't know. But it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's not like he's changed his approach to hit the home runs or just line drives that get out of the ballpark. Patrick Wisdom, once again, having a very nice season down there in Memphis. Uh, what, what's he like as a, a third baseman? I mean, we all see the bat, but when he handles the glove, how's he been uh, in, in the infield this year? I think he's solid. He's got some errors, but they're just kind of fluky errors, you know, in between hops that you'd like for a big league third baseman to make a play on. But he's he's making all the routine plays. I think he's a very solid third baseman. He's very accurate with his throws. And, uh, you know, it's I think that's overlooked a little bit. He can help you at third base. Steve, we really appreciate your time today. I think the last thing we, we want to ask you as we, we get ready to get you out of here is uh, another great, as we speak right now, I mean, eight games up, I think, uh, in, in the division down there in Memphis, coming off the PCL title last year. Anything that you're looking forward to that maybe we you know we didn't talk about, whether it's a guy or, or just something that, uh, again, people in St. Louis wouldn't necessarily know just from looking at the box scores, but the thing you're excited about in the second half of the Pacific Coast League season? Well, like it is every year, really, in AAA, you, 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 you want to find out what kind of club you're going to have down the stretch because there's so many transactions. And I know there you know, guys coming off the disabled list, uh, it seems like, you know, every other day in St. Louis, which is good for the big club. And so that means there'll be a filter filtering effect back to Memphis. And uh, as I've told a lot of guys this year, you know, I, I don't care which players they send back. They're all really good players right now. So looking forward to see what kind of roster we have in the second half and if the Redbirds can repeat their 17 championship. It's been awesome to watch from afar. Hopefully uh, both the big club and the Memphis club finish strong here in 2018. Steve, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Anytime. Big thanks to Steve for his time. Good to talk about those young, budding Cardinal careers, and it's been fun to watch Memphis really just supply some top-notch talent here to St. Louis and maybe even some more before the end of the year, some big names that we talked about. Perhaps we see them as Cardinals before 2018 is out. From those budding careers now to a retrospective on a Cardinal from the 1980s and those Whitey Herzog teams Jim Gilstrap is the author of a feature in the current Cardinals magazine. It's titled The Book of Keith. It's about Keith Hernandez and the book that he released just a couple of months ago. I'm sure you've heard a lot about it. Uh, Jim was the guy who pieced together what Cardinals magazine did, just taking a look back at Keith Hernandez and his time as a Cardinal and the book that he has put together. He joins Ben Holtmeyer now. Guys, take it away. Thanks, Brett. Ben Holtmeyer here, and I'm with Jim Gilstrap. We're going to talk about uh, the Cardinals magazine. This is issue three, and Jim is a senior editor. Now, this is not the cover issue of issue three. The issue three cover story is on Miles Michaelis, but there's a really interesting story in this one about Keith Hernandez. And uh, Jim, can you kind of give me, kind of walk me through exactly what is this story on Keith Hernandez, and and how much do you know about it as well? Well, it's uh, you, what we tried to do with this is to make readers aware, uh, Cardinals fans, that uh, when you see this book, uh, and, and most people, I think it, it came out in May, so I think people probably are aware it's out there, or at least they've heard about it. But if you see it in the store or if you uh, go online and you see the cover, it clearly looks like uh, a Mets 
book, and, and Keith did finish his, uh, play the majority of his career at the end uh, for the Mets. He's been a analyst on their TV networks for 20 years now, and so uh, the decision, I think, was made that he was going to, you know, when they did the cover, he's got the Mets colors on. Uh, and you might assume that it's a book about Keith Hernandez when he was a Met. Uh, and that's not the case at all as you start, if you, you do. And what we're saying is, uh, turn a, don't, don't judge the book by its cover in this case, actually. Turn inside and you'll, you'll find out pretty quickly that, it's about Keith's, uh, in his formative years with the Cardinals, uh, he was actually in the Cardinals organization his first 12 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people know him for the 82. You think about the 82 World Series Cardinals. Uh, you think about the 79 uh, season when he was the batting champ and, and co-MVP. Uh, but this book really is about the time leading up to that 70 and, and through the 79 season. So when he, uh, you know, came out of high school, he went into the minor leagues. It's about those experiences in the minor leagues and, and all the, the great uh, Cardinals who uh, helped shape uh, his career during that time. So, uh, yeah, when you, when you see this book, don't, don't be turned off by the cover and, and think, oh, this is, uh, it's, uh, and I can say from reading it and, and I, uh, I read it in a weekend, and so it, it, it really is an easy read. And, and if you get into it, I, I think uh, any Cardinals fan would, uh, would find it uh, interesting and informative and, and enjoyable. Yeah, I, I certainly just was enjoyed, me as a millennial, was thrilled actually reading this because I, I really never knew the ins and outs of Keith Hernandez's kind of story coming up through the Cardinal system to the majors and so I thought it was just very interesting about how many times the Cardinals and a lot of the people in the organization really gave him a chance especially when it mattered even mentally for him and so that's what I thought was really interesting I'm getting ahead of myself here but first I really wanted to ask um, it talks about really him even growing up and a really big moment in his life was seeing that was his first game that he watched, correct? Was watching the Cardinals yes. play the Giants at Candlestick Park. And he had a one-of-a-kind experience where he met some of the greatest players ever to live. Can you kind of tell me a little bit about that experience and how it happened and what it did for him? Well, he's in San Francisco uh, and, and saw the game at Candlestick. That's obviously he, he grew up near San Francisco. Uh, his dad uh, played in the minor league system for the Cardinals for a couple of years, like in the late, late forties. And during World War II, his dad was stationed in Hawaii and happened to play on a Navy baseball team with one Stan Musial. Hmm. So that's where the, the two got to know each other, the, the father and Stan. So, you know, fast forward to this, you know, 1963, several years later, it's, it stands last in the, in the majors. Uh, so he, he gets the tickets and, and gets into the clubhouse through his, uh, uh, you know, through the relationship with wow. Stan. Uh, so that's, that's what, you know, Keith's doing there. He's all excited, you know, just to be there. 
to, to see these guys. And then he gets the chance to go in the clubhouse. And so, you know, this tells the story of he's sitting on the stool next to Stan Musial. You know, he's nine years old. You know, these guys are his heroes. And then, you know, and then Ken Boyer walks over. And it's just, it's a really interesting story because you, you think at the time, you know, who knows, Keith Hernandez mm-hmm. is going to be in the major leagues. He's ever going to make it there. And he does. He gets there with the Cardinals. And then, you know, in his career, his he's managed by Boyer at the right. tri- AAA tri- level uh-huh. and then the major league level. So it's just kind of one of those stories that you uh, – Hard, so hard, 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 well, hard to believe that mm-hmm. you think, oh, he, you know, the, the, there's the kid sitting there, and then you know, 11 years later, he's playing in his major league debut, is at the same ballpark, right? At Candlestick, <laughs> and and you know, he's uh, it's, it, so it's just fascinating that that story alone, uh, and you know, just his uh, there's there's so much in the book about his relationship with his father, how his father, you know who was a very successful hitter in, in the minor leagues and 300 hitter uh, and how Keith growing up, his father is the one who instructed he and his brother and it was just daily, daily instruction. And at the time, Keith doesn't realize it, that you know it's pretty hard, but w- when he gets back to the majors, all, all that's gonna pay off for him. And, and so as you go along in the book, it's kind of uh, you, you'll read both of those experiences where he's he tells a story in a chapter about you know his childhood working with his dad his brother and then he takes you fast forward to a situation that's happening you know when he's coming up through the Cardinals system in the minor league so it's just a it's a nice quick read too you you jump back and forth between mm-hmm. and it's just it's just an easy read to go through that time and. Uh, now to catch up to myself, I really, again, thought it was pretty, like you said, it was just such a, a solid story about how the Cardinals gave him so many chances in, in multiple ways and multiple seasons, um, one being in his minor league career, um, his uh, coach at the time, that was Bob Kennedy, is the one who promoted him. Can you kind of walk through that kind of first time that happened? He was actually, now Kennedy was actually the farm director. So he's, he's the one who was behind the Cardinals actually drafting Keith. Keith had, just for a quick story there, he didn't play his senior season of high school. And he says it's because his coach was a bit of a jerk, as the book says. <laughs> so, so there's te- teams backed away from him in the draft. They, they, they weren't sure, you know, that back in, in, in 71, they weren't sure, you know, what was going on. And so Kennedy, they, the Cardinals saw his talent. I mean, other teams did too, but the Cardinals were one who were willing to take a chance on him. They didn't get him to like the 42nd round, which you think about that now. It's like this, this guy was a 42nd round pick. Yeah. And so, so mm-hmm. Kennedy's the one then who sees his talent, takes a chance on him. So you fast forward and you're in the, in the you know, he's in the minor leagues. It's Keith's second season, like 73. And he's a double A ball, and he's just having a terrible time and uh, batting probably low two hundreds. And you know, then Kennedy comes in to talk to him, 
And the last thing he expects to hear is, uh, Keith, we're promoting you. And and that's what happened. Uh, instead of sending him down, which, you know, would be the, the normal uh, reaction in most systems, the Cardinals and Kennedy at that point felt like they were going to send him up and this was going to motivate him. And it did. And he credits it at that time, that being like the first saving my career, you know, kind of move was the confidence that he had in him. It sent him up and then Keith went up. He played 30 some odd games at AAA and hit, you know, over 300. And so that that was, you know, the first instance of somebody he speaks of who really had an influence on his on those times. And another one that's mentioned is um, is Ren Chandy's of how much red meant to Keith Hernandez. There and and, and there's a lot uh, there. There's a great deal in there about red. But one of the example that that we give in the story is that uh, in the '76 season that, that Red had benched uh, Keith early in the year because Keith wasn't hitting he, he was below 200 and he he realized it but red had also told him in the second half you know, and then he knew keith was a prospect who was struggling but he he was you know a future there so red told him i promise you know in the second half of the season you know we're gonna play you every day and put you out there and give you the chance and and keith is you know says you know red was a man of his word and he did that and uh keith ended up finishing the season really well uh it wasn't the best time for red because right. he ended up losing the job that mm-hmm. year the cart the, the team didn't finish with a good record but it was an amazing run for red we talked about it, that was 12 12 years you know which is just at the time you know that was unheard of for the cardinals and, and so but in the end, he says, you know, and when talking about Red, with, with high praise, and he said, calls him the angel on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, uh, with, with Red's passing and, and recently, and there's so many stories of people who uh, say that, you know, he, he was always there, uh, uh, you know, always a kind word, always a motivating word, and... This book obviously was written before that, but there's here's Keith uh, echoing, you know, what what everyone else says about Red. So that is a really nice story. And then to tie it together about meeting Ken Boyer as a nine-year-old, and now Ken Boyer is one who kind of maybe you could say assisted in propelling Keith Hernandez to have his batting title season. He he did, and and so. First, say that he had managed uh, Keith during stints at AAA when when he was at Tulsa for during the '74 and '75 seasons. So you now we go to the to '79 season and and Ken Boyer is the manager in St. Louis now. It's it's his first full season. He had started the job you know the year before. but again, Keith is struggling. Uh, it's it's May. He's batting 236, I believe it was. Uh, they're on a plane trip to Houston. 
uh, he's been hearing whispers, and they've been whispers in the media. Maybe they're going to give some other guys some time at first base. Keith's wondering, maybe I'm just a 200, you know, 250 mm-hmm. hitter after all. Maybe that's all I'll ever be. So he's got plenty of self-doubt here. Uh, and then on that, that, that plane trip, the Boyer just uh, walks back from first class, and he sits down and tells him, he says, you know, I believe in you. He says, don't worry about anything. I'm going to play you every day the rest of the way, whether it costs me my job. And imagine hearing that from a manager. And then Keith goes out, first game in Houston. He has a four-for-four night. He's batting, you know, 300 by the end of the month. And he goes on and ends the season hitting, you know, 344, which is is the best in the majors that year. And he beats Pete Rose in the National League by, I think it was 13 points, co-MVP with uh, Willie Stargell. And he says, had had it not been for that conversation, he doesn't know if he would have ever made it in the right. big leagues if 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 it would have turned out. Uh, so just just amazing story when you and and again, I mean those the book is full of them. I mean if you if you want to really read about people in the cardinal system who had an influence on him, and there's great there's other great people, uh, George Kessel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Medwick, you know, the Triple oh, yeah. Crown winner. Uh, there's stories with all of them. Bob Gibson, uh, whom Keith said was rather intimidating. Yeah, I was going to uh, ask you about that one. That's a, <laughs> that's a kind of an additional kind of sidebar in this story. And that's, it's a, honestly, it's hilarious. It, it's, I, I, and I mean, and, and a lot of people have said that about Gibson. And, and certainly uh, opponents were intimidated by him more, more than any. Uh, but... The story that he tells, he tells a couple about Gibson, but one of the fun ones is that uh, Keith had just, he'd made his first opening day roster, and this was 1975. And, you know, Gibson, that's his final season in the majors, his 17th year. So, you know, you've got the rookie and the crusty veteran, and, mm-hmm. and but the story he tells is there's, you know, he's at a party early in the season. It's a party at Reggie, Reggie Smith and his wife are throwing and all the people are there, all the team teammates. And uh, so Keith's sitting around there playing, you know, R&B music, uh, which seemed to be the, the, the favorite that night. And one of his uh, friends who he's there with says, uh, hey, Keith, uh, wouldn't it be a great idea if uh, – you know, your your apartment's close by. How about going back and getting, bringing some of your albums over and let them listen to your music, you know? And you know how we all are, you know? We, we think our music, you know, we want everybody oh, yeah. else to like what we like, I right? I really relate to this one, for sure. <laughs> so, so, so Keith runs back to his apartment, and he comes back with about 20 albums, and he's got them in his arm, and he opens the door, and Gibson doesn't say a word, but... He makes eye contact with him, and he said, oh, right then I knew what uh, anybody who faced Gibson during his career felt like. It's like, young, <laughs> young man, you're crowding the plate. And so Keith uh, puts the stack of albums down next to the door and doesn't say another word. Uh, doesn't, uh, so so he, he leaves his music there. Uh, 
and then just the, the rest of the evening uh it's just it's very comical you know the and, and i won't give away everything about right. the story but uh and he also talks about a couple of clubhouse incidents there where uh uh that he was in the training room and you know basically uh, had a blister uh, on one of his fingers that he was tending to. And that, that Gibson came in and was not happy to see that, told him he didn't want to see him in the training room again. And Keith said, uh, maybe not that politely. Uh, and then Keith said, so I wasn't in the training room again the rest of the season. And uh, so, But there, and, and the good thing there is, you know, he, he does, he says, you know, he had uh, came to understand that Gibson was harder on the people uh, that he saw a lot of potential in. And that's because that's the way his brother Josh had been with him growing up. And Keith came to realize that, hey, he he just wanted to, he, he saw the potential there in me and he was trying to make sure that, you know, I knew that and didn't, didn't waste that opportunity. And I, and uh, he said he kind of understood that more when he read Gibson's book. Yes, yes, yes. From Ghetto to Yeah, Detroit. back then uh, I, I don't think understood that as much, but uh, just knew that he, right. he, he was a tough customer, uh, uh, at least on the outside. But uh, and, and just to, you know, not to stray too far off, but I mean, Gibson is going to be uh, the subject of our yearbook, which comes out in July, and that's on uh, 1968, his historic season, yeah. uh, You're the Pitcher. And I say that only because there, there are a lot of stories in, gonna, in that yearbook, the wonderful stories about reflections on people who faced Gibson and his teammates, and you know, so, so you, you get that. And this, this was a kind of, uh, you know, reading Keith's book as we're planning that edition and it's like wow everybody's got Gibson stories that are great right even 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 Hernandez has has a great story there so it was just really really fun uh you know coming across that in the book as well as just uh all all the stories about uh the other coaches mentors players uh Ken Reed's Ted Simmons, he talks about being close with those guys. Uh, and uh, Lou Brock, you know, we talk about there. there's a really great story in there mm-hmm. uh, when Keith is struggling and Lou comes down, you know, 15 years apart in age. Uh, Sweet Lou. Sits down next to him and, and basically tells him, Stop pouting, you know, Keith. It's it's not about you. He said, don't get mad. He said, if you're going to get mad at anybody, get mad at the pitchers. He's the one trying to take your job, you know. So just just all kind of uh, anecdotes and anecdotes and relevations about his his time, and I, I think I think people really will enjoy those. Yeah, that's it makes makes me want to read the book for myself, honestly, and. Uh, yeah, I think it's a, a really, really solid story in the uh, magazine right now. Again, it's uh, issue three, and it has Miles Michaelis on the cover of that. Um, is there anything more, Jim, you want to say about the uh, the yearbook or issue three? I know, can you say again when that uh, yearbook's coming out? Uh, fans will be able to look for it. it, it it's going to be early July. Uh, it, it'll be available. Uh, you know, it'll be available to, to purchase online. It'll be available at the ballpark. Uh, the 
stores where you find Cardinals Magazine. Uh, so just keep an eye on that. I mean, that that's that's going to be a real keepsake. It, it's just wonderful, uh, all the stories with Gibson. It, the great thing is, is uh, each of his 37 starts that year, including his World Series starts, uh, there, there's a story on each of them that focuses, and it's just amazing to follow that season, the progression, 15-game win streak in there, uh, ends up, you know, with the 1.12 ERA that all fans, if you if you say that number in Cardinals Nation, everybody knows what that is, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so this is kind of the story behind it and what happened, and and then and then the current issue with with Miles Michaelis on the cover. Uh, there's a great story there that really hasn't been told about how the Cardinals scouted him and what they saw when he was pitching in Japan that convinced them that he could be the pitcher that Cardinals fans are seeing here, you know, right now at this at this point in the season, and. Really nice story about uh, Jose Martinez about that crazy batting stance and all the stuff that he does when he comes to the plate. Uh, he he tells you why he does that, uh, and, and it's it's a really uh, interesting story, unique perspective there from him. Uh, and and then I also want to say uh, quickly that uh, we've got Bob Costas uh, bobblehead theme night coming up at the park on June twenty fifth. He's going. Uh, he, he's being honored with a Ford C. Frick Award this year, to, uh, you know, the Hall of Fame, and that comes up at the end of July, last weekend there. So we we've got an in in depth interview with Bob where we talk with him. Uh, he started his career. I, most people probably know at KMOX. Uh, it's just he's wonderful to talk to, and and that's another. Uh, uh, story in that uh, in, in this third issue of the magazine it, I mean it's well worth your time just uh, amazing perspective on the game today uh, a lot of good stories about when he was starting out in St. Louis and, and how much St. Louis really means to him still and has uh, over the years so I think people will really enjoy that one as well perfect thanks Jim really appreciate the time Great. Glad, to, glad that you had me. <laughs> and uh, you can find all this, um, the Cardinals Magazine and the yearbook, of course. Um, just as Jim said, you can find it online, or you can call uh, the Cardinals ticket office, and that's 314-345-9000. Once the yearbook comes out, they'll be happy to help you out with that. They can give you a full subscription as well to Cardinals Magazine and online. It's cardinals.com slash magazine or cardinals.com slash publications. Brett, I'll send it on back to you. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks to Ben. Thanks to Jim. Check out Cardinals Magazine at your local grocers. If you're in the St. Louis area, you can pick one up at Bush Stadium, the team stores, and also, I believe, anywhere that they sell scorecards. And if you're out of the market or you just want to have it shipped right to your house, it's a great value, and it also makes a great gift. They do gift subscriptions. Head on over to cardinals.com publications. I think you'll be really impressed with the quality and with the price. I have been a subscriber long before I worked here Cardinals Magazine. It is a must-have if you are a Cardinal fan. Hey, as I mentioned earlier in the show, just nine home games in the month of July. I can't ever really remember that in my time working for the team or uh, as you know a fan, but that's just kind of the way the schedule breaks out this year. The first home game in July is on July the 1st. 
That day, 30,000 fans, 16 and older, are going to take home an adult bucket hat courtesy of Coca-Cola. And kids, 15 and younger, entering with a ticket, receive a kid's bucket hat. So what do you know? Mom and dad get a bucket hat, and the kiddos get one too. It's all courtesy of Powerade. Tickets available now at cardinals.com slash promotions. Our promotions team does a great job. They put together a lot of great items. I've got to say, I think the bucket hat is one of the favorite ones that I've gotten the chance to see and hold and look at this year. We headed out on a shoot with Ozzy when we were uh, doing his wraparounds for the Cardinals Insider TV show. He holds it up, looks at it, does a a little read for the show, and it's a really handsome-looking product. I'm looking forward to seeing those on July the 1st. You can get yours, again, by purchasing a ticket at cardinals.com slash promotions. We'll hope to see you at the ballpark for that. We'll hope that you're back with us next week as well as we welcome Super Bowl MVP Kurt Warner to the program. He was in town for Kurt Warner night earlier this season. We had a chance to sit down with him, talk a little bit about you know playing football, but more than that, just his admiration, respect, appreciation for the city of St. Louis, why he is still involved here. I mean, he's, he's a presence here, especially on the charitable front in St. Louis. He talked about the community, had some really nice things to say. We will bring that one to you. It'll be out by 5 p.m. on Tuesday, July the 3rd. We try to put them out so that way, if you're getting in the car after work, the episode is available. Maybe check it out even before the game as you uh, head on and make the ride home after work that day. You can listen, rate, subscribe on iTunes or cardinals.com slash podcast. We really appreciate when you do that. Plus, you can email me thoughts on the show, something you would like to hear, something maybe you'd like to hear less of. Uh, I always invite and welcome your feedback, podcast at cardinals.com. That's it for this time. For Steve Selby, Jim Gilstrap, and Ben Holtmeyer, I'm Brett McMillan. Always a pleasure talking with you. We hope to talk to you next time on the Cardinals Insider Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.